3: So many quotes that Andrew can pull out for the uh, show intro today.
0: <laughs> we might have to do like four of them. Who knows? Yeah,
3: just like out- or do outtakes at the end.
0: <laughs> oh God. Equity of up to 150
2: million pounds. You're
3: not the theater fun. You're here to win games. <laughs> I want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh,
0: to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Estetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is an exciting episode today where we've got a win and a draw to talk about, but uh, a lot more to go along with all of that. Got a full slate for you to talk about it here today. We'll start by throwing it out, out to the Pacific Northwest to Scott. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's good with you, man?
1: What a morning, man. I was ready to fucking quit this team and get my tattoo removed. And by the end of the game, Bentaker, best midfielder in the world. I cannot believe Juventus and David, especially Juventus. David sold him to Tottenham. Terrible fucking decision because he's super good and he saved me as a Spurs fan so thank you Rodrigo cheers to that Uh,
0: I I thought you said you were going to have to get your Conte out tattoo removed but you're keeping that one for now or oh dude I would never
1: listen to this man he's an Italian and I'll never fucking say anything bad about him I don't care if we lose a hundred games in a row Conte Conte and baby
0: (sighs) i'm just screwing with you caroline is also here she she is at cg steph go and i know that she's got a lot to get off of her chest today about uh referee decisions and elsewhere but caroline how are you
3: i'm good um i've got my tinfoil hat on uh and my voice i think has recovered enough from local playoffs action last night to to get through this podcast so let's go
0: Let's go. Uh, You've got your tinfoil hat on. I know this man has his tinfoil hat on as well. He, in fact, I think was handing them out uh, on the streets of, of Southern California all week. Uh, he is the Todd father himself. He is at TC underscore show. Todd, what is good?
2: You know, they got a great uh tutorial on YouTube for those tinfoil hats in case anybody's wondering get fucked
0: any day Andrew any day
2: that you can watch your Spurs come from two goals down against a lowly Bournemouth side to get a victory to secure an even firmer foothold in the top four is a good fucking day my guy it's it's such a good day I have just been begging for a win like literally all we need is a win can I just get a win and especially after midweek going down two goals in this one and watching Emerson repeatedly shit. The bed was a, a tough pill to swallow on a Saturday morning. So for us to miraculously pull that out, uh, it, you know, it just kind of washes away all of the disgusting feelings that I've been bathing in over the last week and a half.
0: Yeah, I I feel you. And, I'm going to, like, we're going to start talking about Bournemouth. Normally we go chronologically, but we're going to start talking about Bournemouth, work our way back through the week uh, to the sporting match, and that will obviously lead us to talking about what lies ahead. But I'm going to start this podcast by just saying, if you are the type that would say after that match against Bournemouth today, uh, Tottenham Hotspur 3, Bournemouth 2, if you're you're the type that would say, oh, wow, it's just Bournemouth. What are you guys getting all bent on it? Turn the podcast off right now. Go I'm, fuck I'm, yourself. I'm not I'm not one to discourage people from listening to our podcast, but if you are the type that doesn't think that that was a big important fat juicy victory for for Spurs today, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because that was immaculate and enormous and it wasn't perfect and guess what? It normally isn't in the Premier League and nope. all of and us and when you
2: start a rotated side Andrew and yep. you can see a couple of stupid goals with some deficient players doing some deficient things, it takes a special performance to get a result, let alone a victory. And we saw that from Spurs in second half.
0: And all of us have tweets that we need to go back and look at and probably think, oh, I probably shouldn't have tweeted. And I include myself in that. We all have tweets that we sent during the first half of that match that we maybe cool. not regret, but but that we would look back at and say... I don't, I don't know about that one. Maybe I should rethink nope. things.
1: That's why I go to nope. WhatsApp, baby. You got yep, a lot of WhatsApp too. messages. Yeah, me we, too. you know something, yeah. it
0: is true. We in, yeah. within the podcast here do have a WhatsApp chat that we tend you to filter Some You fucking things. destroy
1: me if you want to. Yeah, we tend to filter the things, filter that things I say to you guys. guys you're right. Whew, but here's what I, if if I'm ever on Twitter and I'm like, I want to tweet this and I'm like, nah, I'm like, let me just drop it in the WhatsApp group. And if Especially I get a couple hearts, like that, you should probably maybe we'll tweet that. that thing out, you know? But if I get some pushback <laughs> from my boy Andrew and I know that we're just about to duke it out, then I'm like, all right, I'm glad I didn't put this <laughs> thing on Twitter. Show
0: that one. We've been doing it out for weeks. And I feel like we we've been duking it out for weeks, Scott and I, and I feel like uh today might have finally uh delivered uh him going back into his corner a little bit and yeah going uh, going for- going to his going to his corner man and saying I that's it I've had enough but this was so, a
2: galvanizing win in so many ways
0: let let's let's start by talking about this lineup because they go back to the 352 for this game against Bournemouth which I admit I will admit even though I expected to see rotation I was a little surprised to see them do um the midfield skip Basuma Hoybier no Corps, but obviously he comes on and we'll get to that uh Emerson out on the right Sess on the left and then that back three was quite different today as well. Sanchez on the right, Longley playing through the middle with Davis. You get Dyer and Romero. Romero not even in the team. Dyer came on later. But, I man, th- this lineup, Todd, you alluded to it. Mm-hmm. The rotation in this lineup, I still thought, okay, I get why they're doing this. And, you know, I alluded to this in our group chat too. And I said this about halfway through it. Conte looked at this match as kind of a bogey match. He kind of went into this match viewing it as... I get that it's Bournemouth away, but if we drop points here, it is not the end of the world because this is the Premier League. It's a long season, and we have to be focused ahead to Tuesday against Marseille, and I I know that people will scoff at that and say you should be able to rotate and walk over a Bournemouth side anyway, but I just don't view any Premier League games like that. Do you?
2: No, I don't view any Premier League games like that, even when it is Bournemouth, which they will likely get relegated, but I, I think the important thing to note here. Um, is that we fix mistakes, right? This is the first time that we've really rotated the midfield. This is the first time that we've really rotated the back three. This is the first time that we've seen like seven of these 11 players playing together at the same time, and especially in a start. And so you look at that and you go, well, rotationally, that's obviously going to cause some communication problems. Your timing is going to be a little off, which we saw in the first half. And then ultimately, when you rotate, Andrew, what it's going to do is it's going to highlight your deficiencies in your squad, which is exactly what it fucking did. When we rotate and you have Sanchez and uh, fucking Emerson on the same side, like that's a glaring fucking weakness. And for both of those goals, you can set them squarely on their shoulders. And so you you just kind of look at that and go, fuck, well, you're going to concede goals like that (laughs) when you rotate. And so you better have three in the bag if you're going to concede two. Now, fortunately, out of nowhere, to be fair, I shouldn't say out of nowhere. Fortunately, the Conte system worked to perfection. And those three goals, (laughs) (laughs) almost said it with a straight face. Uh, Those three goals came in the way that you would like to see them. Um, I don't like what we're doing. And we'll come on to it a little bit more. And I said this in the group chat on on Wednesday. I don't like our offensive strategy right now. But – you can't argue with the results. You can't argue with a firm foothold in the top four. You can't argue with being the top of your Champions League group. And especially when you have the type of injuries to the attacking players that we've had and the type of unfamiliarity or injuries that we've had to overcome with our rotational midfield and guys like Basuma and Skip, it's understandable. And the other thing, like Doherty, like maybe Doherty is our first choice right back and he's still kind of match fitness is an issue. And so we're going to sit him, play Emerson and understand that's going to be a weakness for us so that we can have a fresh Matt Doherty at Marseille on Tuesday.
0: I I think what you point out about rotation, you know, pointing out your squad depth problems, I think that's the, the salient point here is that. There are problems. I said a know, lot
2: of shit. That's all you took? Really? Well, no, it's not all I took, but it's the
0: main <laughs> thing I took because I think this is how, and I think that speaks to th- this team's ability to actually get a victory today at the Vitality Stadium, even after looking really horrendous in the first half and, and falling down by two goals. I think that speaks to this team's ability to, you know, be be resilient, be persistent, and and kind of fight through the adversity that they were facing because there was, a, a frankly, a shit ton of it. Um, and and it it was self-inflicted adversity as well. It's not like it was, you know, it's not like it was Bournemouth kicking their ass. It was Bournemouth taking advantage of what was given to them and executing on that. But in the end, Spurs absolutely kicked this team's ass today. Like, I mean, no, I know we're not gonna feel that way, but you look at the XG. No, you're right. You are you, you look you look at the XG, they you know, Bournemouth barely mustered half a goal in XG, and Spurs were over two. So I mean that, that's a that's an ass kicking by any by any totally. stretch or measure.
1: Yeah. We 100%. Had, we, yeah, we had, we had our, our foot on their throat the entire game. And Bournemouth has actually been playing pretty well lately. Um, they're at home, right? They exploit the, the with well against their opponent, something that has been a problem for us. So we played really, really well today, I think. we, You know, we talk about resilience and adapt, adaptation whatever, but all correct, and I think that all goes up to Conte and just everything that he always does right it's it's never perfect with him and as as much as i like complain and moan about shit right like i'm just saying wingbacks are pissing me off right but i got to give conte a lot of credit today because he made an adjustment that worked really well he put sesame on on the right side and brought paris at john and whatever the change was right i just called for him to make a change and he made a fucking change right he put he put sesame on the right side of the field and it doesn't have to be perfect, but we have to be able to adapt to our opponent and find a way to win. And Conte did, you know, remove all the banter. Conte did exactly what I, what I as a fan was asking of him to do at halftime, right? Um, and I give him a lot of credit for for that that win today, but also the resilience too. I mean, the composure from Bentancur, you know, all all down to Sessignon's finish, right? And the ball from Peh. I think at first I thought it was. It was Langley, and I said that in the chat, right? And Todd corrected me, but what a fucking ball from PH! And that made a lot more sense, right? I didn't, I didn't know Langley had that in his locker, room. maybe he doesn't. Time will tell, but maybe he does. Uh, he PH doesn't does. have it
2: with his right foot; he has it with his left foot. PH did that with his right yeah, foot. Yeah, and it was PH, huge. that was a
1: fucking ball. But I mean, seriously though, as much as I've complained about the wing backs, part of what I've complained about is what Sassanian did today, right? So it is starting to work. Um, that finish. If you don't have that from your wing backs, you're not going to be as successful as you want to be in the system, right? So it starts to come to fruition, and we start to see Doherty take take shape. And maybe someday, hopefully, Spence, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to get some minutes I, and start to become a part of the setup. Not that I, I need think, that. I'm just saying ultimately I, we need two. So well, you're definitely
2: right about that. I think ultimately we'll probably come on to this as well. And I don't mean to kind of hijack this portion of it, but like the the Spence Rhetoric needs to calm down. The latest thing that we've heard out of the club is that we're gonna send his ass out on loan. He's not that's fine. Yeah, I agree. So we just need another body, you're right. And it's not because it's not Emerson, Cass, it's really not like Emerson has been fucking woefully bad for weeks at this at, at his job. And we keep seeing him in the lineup. And that says to me only one thing. No one else is ready. So for fitness or for ability or for scheme or whatever it is, no one else is ready.
0: I, I feel like I have said everything I can say about Emerson Royale on this podcast over the last weeks and months. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, mean, I, I can't even add anything anymore, guys. I, I'm sorry. I, I, Caroline, what, what do you want to say on Emerson, if, if anything?
3: Well, what I'll say is that I was a little bit sleepy this morning when I first looked at the lineup graphic. And, you know, I, I was struggling to puzzle out in my head, like, are we still playing the same formation? Because surely he wouldn't play Royale and Sanchez on the right side again. <laughs> but It was a rotated you know, side. I get that. I just think if I have one criticism <sighs> of Conte, it's that he's been stubborn in that regard. Because um, I think yeah. we've seen this, this combination on the right side many times this season. It just doesn't work. And he, he did have to adjust it later in the game. Um, but just to get back to, to the born myth of it all, I do think it's important to remember that since we are one of those traditional top six sides, the lower table teams are always going to you know, get fired up for matches against us. So no it's, no. it's kind of true that we can't take any game lightly. And I think the rest of the, you know, top table teams know that.
0: And that's um, especially the case when you have to go away and fans are fired up to see a, a big, mm-hmm. a big club and a player like Harry Kane and Youngman's son on the pitch at, at, you know, that, yeah, that's the case. And by the way, well, I, I, a, a quick live fact check, Scott, you said Bournemouth are playing well, uh, not to call you out, but really no one win in their last six, uh, had lost two straight coming in. Like, I, but at the same time, They're still to Caroline's point, they're still gonna be a plucky team that's gonna pack it in and take advantage of every chance they get. Like it's not these games are not easy. I would I would think that Spurs should have an easier time in games against teams like Sporting and Marseille and Frankfurt than they should even against a a Bournemouth away because the Premier League is just that damn good.
2: I don't know. I w- I need to take a step back on that. And I'm going to say three things here. The first thing that I'm going to say is you get that exact same feeling from the opponents when it's Harry Kane and Youngman's son when you go away in the Champions League. You, you don't do. think Marcus Edwards Fair. was gassed up to get on his horse and throw his little business to his people in the, in the crowd? Like, his family was in the stands. Like, what are you going to say to that guy? Like, of course you're amped to do your thing there. Like, Like, everybody's going to be like that. What I would say, the second thing that I'm going to say on this is that Bournemouth is outside of the relegation zone right now so I mean yes they're not playing great but they're a team that legitimately has a chance I say they're going to get relegated I just a personal belief but they have a chance to stay up like you never know I don't think that some of the teams that are currently in the relegation zone your Leicesters and your Leeds, I don't think are going to stay there um and you know I think things will shake out as they should
0: yeah. third, well, th- are, <laughs> are three points clear it's early but I get what you're saying
1: yeah, the but, third, and, as we're learning in the Premier League, it doesn't fucking matter where you're at in the table if you're home. If you're at home, right, it's it's always going to be a tough match. And it's that's the third exactly. Wow.
2: And that's the third thing that I was going to say is that these are the games, Andrew, the the top two, the Liverpool's of the last few years, the Chelsea's, the Cities. These are the games that they win, regardless of whether or not they rotate side. Kaz, this is these are the points that in the past Spurs dropped, and make those top six games so important when in reality you look at what happens outside of the top six and you see teams that are consistently in that top three, top two championship, you know, the trophy conversation. These are teams that are steamrolling Bournemouth, or if they're doing a rotational side, they're getting that one goal win against forest or whatever it is. Like these are the types of wins you have to have. And these are the types of wins that Conte gets. And that's why we are going, we are, we are where we are on the table And why we have a chance to be successful going forward.
3: Well, and you know, Bournemouth, they might not be in the Champions League, but they know what's going on for us in that tournament. And they knew that we had half a mind on Tuesday. And we have been having slow starts across all competitions. So they knew that this was an opportunity for them to take the game to us early, which they did, and we had to make a comeback. So I don't think anything about how the first half played out was particularly surprising considering our lineup and their motivation
0: well and 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 compare it to and I, I will fully admit I did not watch this game I just saw the highlights but compare it to earlier in the day Manchester City go away to Leicester they don't have Erling Haaland available to them who's been frankly King Kong of, of the Premier League this season so far he's been beating up everybody um, and they they require a, a worldie from Kevin De Bruyne on a free kick in order to beat Leicester away 1-0 like, mm-hmm. I, again, I, I can't say that I watched the game, so I don't really know if if City dominated it. But on paper, it doesn't look like, you know, well, the easiest of victories. You know, they had to scrap by and get a win against a lesser team that is not good, or that, that is yeah. really struggling this season, too. So th- these things happen.
1: And, yeah, it's all well said. And if you look at our match today, I think their goals came from, you know, to to Caroline's point, they jumped on us, right? as they should have. They played really well in those moments, Um, but I think if you remove those moments of a lack of positional awareness from somebody who we all know, and I don't mean I want to pick on anymore, we could win that match 3-0, but ultimately, more so than 3-0 final result, go into halftime, 0-0, which is Conte's goal every match, right? If you can go in 0-0 at half, you're going to lose to Conte. He's going to make an adjustment at halftime that he always makes, and I, don't, I can't think of a good first half that we've had all season, but we've had a ton of really strong second halves, right? So I think, you know, we're a couple of moments away from a 3-0, pretty c- comprehensive compounding victory today against Bournemouth oh. too, but we played really well. I
2: agree. Well, the interesting thing to note about that is we've actually scored the the twenty six goals that we've scored this year, the second highest in the league. So it's like we're getting the ball across the line. It's just you know we're what? conceding stupid fucking goals and at stupid fucking times, and it ended up in games that we should have crushed late. And you know, it gets a little nervy.
1: Yeah, and to your point, Todd, about the goal scored, take a second, and we all know it, right? And every every podcast and and Spurs media will discuss this, but. Vio, whatever the dude's name is. I can never remember it. Our set-piece coach. Gianni? Gianni, thank you, whatever. Take a second to to give a ton of credit to that man because we went from probably the worst set-piece team maybe on the planet, all professional leagues, to leading the Premier League, I think, in set-piece goals. It's fucking incredible. I don't know how it happened. Well, we all know how it happened, right? But I just don't know how that man did it overnight. So a massive amount of credit goes to him.
2: Well, I mean when you got four or four thousand three hundred plays in a playbook, right? Like I said that guy was gonna be worth twenty goals, and that's an audacious thing to say, but I said he was gonna be worth twenty goals to this team at you the beginning of the year. And I don't I I'm not wavering from that number. He's incredible. Our entire offense, Andrew, though I don't particularly like it,
0: is get corners. See, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you brought that up because I was gonna bring that up next. Uh Tottenham had 19 corners in this match. And I honestly would have been fine with them having 19 more because every time they got one, they looked a threat. Even if it was a bad ball in you, the, the, the ability for them to get the ball, recycle it and continue pressure after a corner is something. And that is, I'm fine with that strategy if they, and honestly, I, I think Bournemouth regret, you know, playing into that strategy a little bit and playing the ball out themselves a few times because that is, that looks a a strategy right now. And like I said, if you've got more knowledge in your brain and more training on the pitch to be able to put more goals in off of set pieces or soon after set pieces, I'm sorry. I, I don't have any issue with any of that. It's not attractive.
2: I think that's what it is. And we're used to high flying Tottenham Kaz.
3: Well, before we go off the first half, I just want to say I think Skip showed a lot of promise in his performance which Agreed. we know he only got to play the first half but I think he was having to overcompensate a lot for you know the defensive side of things um on the right hand side and perhaps if we had seen him with that you know second half subs lineup he he might have had a little more joy going forward cuz I think he was getting in good positions and you know, was, was fairly close with a few of his crosses. So I'm, I'm excited to see more of him as the season goes forward.
2: That's a great shout. I thought, and I even said in the group chat, I said, they, they, uh, he was our, one of the brightest spots of the first half. Um, And I like to see him with the ball at his feet and and being a little creative doing some of the things that he did for Norwich that made the fans adore him so much. I was shocked as I think we all were, Andrew, that Lucas came on for skip at half. Um, I think more than anything is, is I, I, two things. One, I, I think that that was a, a conscious decision on Conte's part to be more, uh, aggressive with the ball going forward. um, the other thing is I think that maybe may be fitness as well. Like, you know, this is part of Skip's, like, working back in. This was his first start in the league. Like, give sure. him 45. Have him available for Tuesday and not gassed if you need him. I thought he asserted himself extremely well. So the second portion of that that I have to – I want to say it, and I want to say it quickly, and we can move on. Thank you, Lucas Mora, for coming on and doing Lucas Mora things and nothing more. Andrew?
0: Yes, nothing more. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the the first half, second half disparity, because I while you guys were, were were talking about that, I just looked it up. Of thirty-two goals in all competitions now, twenty of them have come in the second half. Mm-hmm. If my math is correct, if my quick count is correct, as I looked this up live during the pod. That's a pretty overwhelming number, if you ask me twenty compared to twelve, second half to first half um and i think that speaks to it's it's kind of the perfect microcosm we saw this week um between two really really bad first halves and two really really good second halves and i don't know i don't know if this is like an overwhelming narrative of the team starting slow or just feeling its way into games at, or or just coming out because they're under pressure to get a good result after falling behind in a second half i don't know where these these trains pass on the track. But well, what is this? Like what wh- why I don't know. I know I, I know it's not as simple as I know it's not as simple as saying I wish the team could come out and play like they did in the second half and the first half and then we wouldn't have to worry about it, but there's got to be something t- going on here, right?
2: Well, look, there's another school of thought here. And in, in that school of thought is are they pulling the, the Mayweather approach? Right? So they're going to spend the first half for
0: for, for for those who aren't boxing people. Right.
2: Which, I mean, there's a lot of crossover. Anyway, he's he's doing the the Mayweather approach. If you watch Mayweather fight, he spends the first four to six rounds downloading all of the things that you're doing. You're going to switch your fighting style two times in the first six rounds. He's going to download everything that you're going to do, and then he's going to spend the next six rounds meticulously picking you apart. Mm -hmm. And his defense is going to be impenetrable, and he's going to frustrate the shit out of you. And for fans, it's going to be boring as hell to watch. But at the end of the day... You're going to see the the final tally. He's going to have his hand raised and you're going to go, damn, that was a good fight to watch. But when it was all said and done because of the way that he operated, it's not necessarily optically as pleasing as maybe Tottenham fans want it to be, but you can't argue with the success rate.
0: I think the other part of that too, would be that he's going to, he's going to take a lot of punches in the early rounds and let you wear yourself out. And then he's going to be fresher in the later rounds to knock you out. Um, That's kind of, and well, that Philly, I that Philly
2: shell is a, is is a great is a great weapon for that exact same thing as is the Conte system.
3: Yeah, but that's that's a good shout about you know letting the other team tire themselves out because you could visibly see at the end of this match that Bournemouth did not have the same level of conditioning and they they could yeah. not find an equalizer even though there were a couple of you know chances for them to get some possession at the very end.
0: No, well, they, they wanted they wanted no parts of that match by the end of it. They were just begging for, for the final whistle.
2: It, but how nasty is it to be able to look at the subs that we brought on today to be able to look over to the bench and see Lolo come on or see Perisic come on. And <laughs> like you've been dealing with Emerson all day and then all of a sudden Perisic is there with his wands on either foot. Like it's wild to think about that. That's what Tottenham's bench looks like. Or you've been dealing with Davison Sanchez all day. And then all of a sudden there's Eric Dyer.
0: Right. No, no, you're 100% right and I I don't know is 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 there any anyone else that needs to be highlighted in this match? I mean, I I, I would like to just put a little gold star next to Ryan Sesnyan's name for the day. Um I think that he has I think we said this a few weeks ago. I think he's proven to be the most the most and best consistent wing back that this team has for all the, for all the talk about wing backs and all the talk about the 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 turmoil on the other side of the pitch when it comes to wingbacks with Emerson. I think that Ryan Sesnian has established himself um, and and has, I think we can already maybe even say, what is this 12, 13 or so games into the season that he's just, that he's learned a lot from Perisic already. It feels like, um, and that's not to say that, that Ryan Sesnian didn't already have this within him, but I think he has been like really, really good this season. No one, no one wants to piggyback on that.
1: That no, I, I, I will jump in and say that that I think Cess and Jan, you know, I, I, what's going on right now? <laughs> you think Cess and Jan What? Cess and Jan was great today. That's awesome. Good
0: good contributions. I will tell you what. They don't call him the best color analyst in baseball <laughs> for
2: nothing. Dynamite uh, drop money. Um, uh... what, what Do I you guys d- have any
0: Let me put it this way. Do you guys have anything else to say about the Bournemouth match before we move on to talk yes. about earlier in the week?
2: Yes. PEH another stellar 8 out of 10 crushed the game. Regardless of what spot he was playing in in the midfield, they rotated him around. He played his ass off, not to mention the beautiful assist.
0: Yeah, I thought he was. I thought the entire midfield was was. I, you know, I know people are gonna have their things to say about Basuma. He's still not fully. I don't think into it, but I think he's getting there. And I think that, I think that he's only good right now playing in a three. I don't think you'll ever see him playing in the in the three four three uh, in the two man midfield because I don't think he's he's on it enough. But I think when he's got other bodies around him, he's going to be good enough. And I, and you mentioned Skip earlier too, Todd. I think that Skip has been. You know, we. I thought I really liked what I saw out of him. On Sunday, uh, last Sunday, I thought today he he maybe needed a little bit more polish, but he's at least getting forward in a position from that midfield, which is nice to see too. I was just surprised yeah. that they that he started with the three five two rather than the three four three, but it feels like something that we're purely doing for rotational purposes now. Yeah. Which
2: I think that had to do with available available uh, players. Bodies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. had more yeah. available midfield players than more available forward players.
1: I, I mean,
3: well, and it was interesting that when Dyer subbed in later in the match, he ended up going to the right side center back role. Um, and since Lance Longley stayed in the match and, you know, Davis as well. So I, I, that was just kind of interesting to see as perhaps another option, um, you know, to have in games. Well, I didn't uh, hate I'm, it.
0: I'm really glad you brought that up, uh, Caroline, because I, I think the job that Longley did in the center specifically today was really important to see that someone else could do that. And, I know people will say, well, th- there's a reason he did it against Bournemouth. Okay, fair. But He's still
2: our best center back. Well, no, but if we're
3: going to try it out, when else what, are going to try it out? When else are you going to yeah.
0: try it out? Exactly, yeah. and I think that that's a, that's a really good thing to see that Dyer doesn't have to be re- – like, yeah, you want to be able to rely on Dyer, and he's been a sturdy force there – but you don't have to play him every single minute of every single game, and thank God for Dyer that. Dyer had
1: played every minute yeah. until today. Yeah, for sure.
3: And exactly. he needed a yeah. break. I think that was pretty clear after the last mm. few matches.
1: No, Yeah, absolutely, he, was, totally. he was
0: struggling the last few matches, for sure.
1: Yeah, actually, Andrew, I think on the last show we were talking about how he needed just, like, a mental rest more than a physical one. You know, it had seemed like Dyer... And I want to talk about Basuma, too, for a second, but I think Dyer... Dyer has done so much for the squad, and to... Uh, Caroline, your point about Longley is great because to see that Dyer didn't supersede him when Dyer came in shows that Conte saw enough of a positive for 60 minutes or so, right? To keep Longley there, and we need that. I still think we need another center back. Um, well, I also I, don't I, think
2: you can play Longley on the right if you wanted to. He's left-footed.
1: Yeah, fair enough too. But I, that's a good, great point, right? But but I do, I do like the Conte saw trust and didn't see a need to to put Dyer back in place there, right? Um, and especially considering that you have to conduct for, from that position, and Longley would have enough trust at this point from his teammates to 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 you know shout around and tell people what's going on. So that's that's good to see. But the only one I'm interested in seeing what happens going forward is Basuma because I do, I really hope we don't play a three five two like ever. It, I, it just it's so stale. I haven't seen anything outside of two isolated strikers and uh it just hasn't worked right and then and the adjustment to three343 three flipped the game on its head and, and not not that not that we were like ever under pressure or under the gun but we weren't doing anything either it was a really stale match in, until we made that move so with 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 skip showing really really bright performances especially an ability to to get forward you know as we've we've discussed um And P.E.H. and and Benteker being one of the best pivots you're going to see in the league right now, it's going to be tough for Basuma to find minutes if we're going to play a 3-4-3. But I just don't know how we play a 3-5-2. I I, do.
0: I was going to push back against this too, but go ahead, Todd.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say because the 3-5-2 is
2: the perfect rotational formation for us. And I think that there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us to play
1: 3-5-2.
2: I think when we're
1: he comes back it, so it I, seems I, to be more effective with him. Well, we no, can see I've, I've got I've we, got
2: we've got multiple opportunities to rotate once we have more forward players. When you have Kulusevski back, you can play him all over that 3-5-2. We're seeing the integration of Brian Heel like there's a bunch of opportunity for us to make that formation effective when we need it to be. Sure like that. Well,
0: I've I think a totally well, different way to push back on this, though, because the, the, the one of the biggest problems with the three five two is number one, Bentoncore wasn't starting today, and and you need I think you need him in there to make it tick better. Um, the but the the even bigger issue with the three five two is that right side. Emerson and Sanchez cannot be playing on the right if you're playing a 3-5-2 because you're not going to get anything going down that side. If you've got Romero and you've got Doherty over there, I think it is way, way better and way more. You've got way more. And and the 3-5-2 I still think is going to be needed in matches where you're expecting a team to come at you more because I think it's a much better formation to counter out of. So if you're playing Liverpool next weekend and you're expecting them to be after you, I have no problem with Harry Kane and Youngman's son trying to counter and trying to trying to run at that back line on counterattacks, but you have to have Benton core, You have to have Doherty bombing down the line. You have to have center backs with the ability to pass like Longley and Romero instead of, you know, instead of Sanchez and Davies, And not to say Ben Davies can't pick a pass because he, he can at times, but you've got to have more out of your center backs. And especially on that right side wing back spot to make the formation work as a whole. And it's going to be, it's going to be good for, for certain teams. Bournemouth was not ever a team that I would have expected to come out in it against, other than, like Todd said, for the rotational purpose. But it, I think the 3-5-2 can be executed. You just have to pick the right spot in order to do it in. Facts.
3: Yeah, since you brought up Davis, I wanted to bring up one more note on set pieces um, because Ben Davis talked in his post-game interview about, you know, some of How handsome thinking. he is. Well, I mean, we would all be happy to hear about that, I'm sure. But, no, he was just saying that he he was being very intentional about um, switching up, you know, the, the angles that he was looking for um, to confuse his marker from Bournemouth. And I just think that Gianni Vio is getting a lot more out of our center backs offensively um, through those corners because – I feel like in the past seasons, you know, there, there just wasn't any intention behind our corners. It was just kind of like, you know, throw it in the mixer and we'll see what happens. But now everyone kind of has this awareness of these are the strategies I can use. And I think it's just been a lot more effective. So I was happy to see him score today.
0: Yeah, no question. Yeah. I'm always happy to see daddy Davis get on the, on the score sheet. That's, that's good stuff.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, on that three five two, you guys, everything you're saying in theory is correct, but I just have never seen it work, right? And that's kind of my point. So, well, but that's disagree. not true either.
0: That's not true either. You, you saw the second half against Leicester.
1: Okay, so I think, for I think one it half works football, it's when
3: when Son and Kane are working together. So, yeah, they've just not been clicking and we don't get the most out of that formation but, for that. reason. But it's also
0: the players behind them. Like I said, you can't have Emerson and Sanchez on the right to well, to, yeah, to, to feed to filter the ball up to them. That does not work. Neither of those guys mm-hmm. have the ability to do. So, that.
1: but if, if the question is, can it work? Yes. Is it working? Absolutely not at all. And it has not. And that's that's all my point is. Right. And so I think I think in theory, sure. And if you guys if we see what you guys are saying work, then you have my attention and I'm on board. But right now, the only thing that's been worth a shit is a three, four, three. And maybe there was a good half against the worst team in the league, potentially in Leicester. Right. But but I'm I'm, I, I'm happy seeing a three, four, three going forward. And and I know we've got some injuries, but I think Brian Hill deserves minutes. Right. And I don't think Conte disagrees with that. Lucas actually looked fucking lively today. He won a free kick, right? That son kind of muffed, but should, you know, I think both of those guys um, and maybe, maybe, (laughs) I think Todd maybe didn't love me saying that son muffed a free kick maybe, but. No, Sun should have even taken that free kick. Why do you have Avon
2: Paris standing there with that one left foot. If you're not going to use it. Yeah. Thank you.
1: But yeah, so, but Lucas was lively today. So. I Don't see any reason why we wouldn't, you know, use a 3 4 3 as our primary option. Um, going forward is, is all I'm saying, so I'm not going to let this one go. I can conceded a little bit on the wingbacks already, so
0: well. By the way, um, we w- when we first busted out the 3 4 3, it was in that second half against Leicester. Uh, substitution Christian Romero on for Davidson Sanchez, 59th minute. Uh, and granted, the other substitution. That, that went on just before that was Emerson coming on for Perisic on the right side. Cause Cessna was on the left, but uh, oh, Sanchez man. comes off in the 59th minute sun scores in the 73rd minute. And then again, in the 84th and then again, in the 86th using the three, five, two, it, it can work oh, with the right people. It can work so, with the so, right people so behind
1: class performance that out of nowhere
0: wins us oh. a match but 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 he got he got this he he had the team behind him to support that as my point like you cannot play mm. both sanchez and royale on that right side and not have Betancourt in the team who by the way assisted for that first sun goal in that hat trick and expect that the 352 is going to work as much as you yeah. want it to
2: yeah i think bentencourt for Busuma changes the entire outcome if you have to rotate um, because ultimately you were asking Skip to do the heavy lifting going forward and the heavy ro- a rotational defensive lifting going backwards. And that, now, really
1: we've of. never seen a 3 five, 2 with Skip, Hoivier, and Bentaker. That's, that's correct. That'd be interesting. Okay, I would um, be interested
0: in that I, as well. I would be interested to I see do, what it looks like.
1: Saying, I do recall in that Leicester game, actually, this is not even a pushback. This is just like I remember this randomly. Sun had that crazy performance and us talking about how Emerson came on and secured the right side of the field to give Son the ability to find space and Ah. and score goals. So that, what a world that
0: was. I mean, Um, I'll, I'll, I'll politely eye roll at that, but yeah. Well, it's, I mean, facts and
2: facts, like my guy is defensively sound in in, in a lot of ways at times, Emerson Royale as a right back is defensively sound. Emerson Royale as a right wing back is a fucking liability going forward and going backwards. And there's no two ways about it.
0: Mm. Let's uh, let's go to the socials real quick because I think we've addressed some of the some of the things that people reached out to us before we move on to talk about sporting because I think that's going to be. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to let Todd give Todd a second to go get his tinfoil hat and put it on. Um, Dustin Deeds said how much better were they offensively once Royal went off. That's kind of what we've been addressing: um, more space, more fluid, more progressive. Again, I, I don't. I don't want to turn this into I, – I want to keep this a Tottenham Hotspur podcast rather than an Emerson Royale podcast, so I'm just going to move it right along. Um, he adds that he wishes that the team would realize the games are 90 minutes and not play grab-ass the first 45. Again, I think we kind of addressed that as well. Is this a little bit of a Mayweather situation? Is this a – or is this a – they, they got to just come out with more, more intensity, more fire? I don't know, but I think regardless – they're, they're still getting the job done. The, the game is 90 minutes and you do have that time to make it up. Um, another thing that was brought to us uh, from our boy, Kevin, uh, he, he asked kind of the same thing that, 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 that Dustin kind of alluded to. Do we only look so much better in second half because we're letting other teams tire themselves? Or could we just play like that in the first half? I, I again, I don't know if this is a strategy, but if, but if it is, it's working. Like, I, I don't really know what else to say, but another thing, like I said, that we kind of addressed, um, and uh, this is this is what I wanted to get into before we fully get into sporting that I thought was interesting. This came from uh, Hotspur Hurley 61. As has the death of Giampiero Ventroni uh, cast a shadow over the team that they can't seem to, to, to throw off of themselves? Uh, it adds that Sonny appears totally bereft. Uh, and, and those two were very close. I, I think that people have gotten this impression in their brain, and this is not even specifically about the, the tragic death of, of a head coach. But I think the people have gotten it in their brain that Tottenham have sucked for a month and a half, and that's just not the case. Um, Spurs had lost two straight matches in the league. Now this is talking about United and Newcastle going back. But prior to that, they had won three straight in all comps. Uh got the draw against Frankfurt in the Champions League before that. And the match before that going back was Arsenal. No, so but people th- think
2: threes. People think threes. So United Newcastle sporting, fuck my life.
0: Sure. Sure. And, I will and, say though that but, but that Brighton match kicked off a three game win streak after the death of Ventroni. Of and that was the, No, the, the, but I mean the, the, it's also
2: like you get the you get the emotional bounce. Stuff comes in waves, Andrew. That's how of course works.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, you know, I think we've all kind of picked up on Sen's body language, especially in the last few games. Um, Just not, he doesn't seem to be playing with the joy that he usually plays with. And I don't think that's something that's going to stick around forever. Um, And even even today, towards the end of the game, I, I feel like I saw more of a spark from him when He realized, you know, we can get back in this game. He was really motivated after that. Had the winning assist. I I also think – well, he didn't take – Well, no, he didn't. He didn't get
2: an assist. It's a bummer. It was from his kick.
3: Yeah, the other thing is that it's possible that the very frustrating end to the sporting match could have had a little lingering effect, too, on the mentality.
1: Well, it's it's possible. Yeah, yeah, with a guy like Sun, too, I think a lot of what's going on with him is – he's very like he's very self-critical right yeah he has high
3: standards for himself yeah
1: and he's very like transparent with himself about what he needs to be doing better right like if, if anyone knows david goggins and he wrote this book can't can't hurt me and he has this discussion around the accountability mirror and how you know part of him becoming just a more wholesome person was looking himself in the mirror and being honest with himself about where he was short as a person right
0: and anyways, I just think
1: Son is probably somebody who that would resonate with, and does you know, is it takes a similar approach to life. And then when you mix a Conte in, who is extremely critical in a very positive way, but just always highlighting the negatives that must improve, you couple that with a person who is hyper focused on the negative already, and it becomes like a perpetual negative situation, right? I think it can happen in a lot of different professions. So um, I think Son will figure it out, though. It's like a sports psychology thing at this point with him, and he'll be all right.
0: I've been really trying to figure out the sun thing all season really, but I heard it articulated kind of, I think in the best way um, that I had all all year by my, my buddy, Greg, who hosts the, the Wheeler dealer radio podcast um, it, earlier this week was talking about how it simply seems at times like his touch is off and mm-hmm. he like, yeah. y- you see that a lot in games where Sonny has a pass come into him. Maybe it looks like it's too hot of a pass or just too, too much pace on it. But the ball's getting away from him in certain spots where you would expect it to stick to his foot and him to go and turn from there. And we haven't seen a ton of that. And you can you can nitpick and find certain spots. And obviously, we mentioned Lester that and that performance that he had with three goals in in 30 minutes. But um I just think that his his touch has been off. And I think once he finds that, if he finds that, and I, I think it's more a, a matter of 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 when, not if, um, he'll be fine. And I think that he's still scoring here and there at a a pace in which we can all be nobody needs to be you know pressing the panic panic button with him but uh, for the team as a whole I do think that we do have to step back and realize Todd I think it's interesting you mentioned everybody looks at this in threes and I think that's that's right I think that's really a, a, a proper evaluation but at the same time I think we all need to look at this as you know the the death of of a of a beloved member of the of the family and and the team, that doesn't go away in, in threes. That's that yes. lingers and that stays and that's something that this team is not only still dealing with but going to be dealing with going forward. So I don't think it's something that we can, you know, we talked about it on on the podcast and and gave it the the attention. But I also think that it's something that we need to be reminded is not just because we talked about it and it went away for us it probably hasn't for a lot of these, the, the members of this club and, and nor should it because it was a, it was a, a really yeah. big deal and a big thing that, that they all went through. So no,
2: grief is a very yeah. personal thing, Andrew. It, it's something that every individual deals with in their own way, in their own fashion. And as we mentioned, it comes in waves. And it, it's something where you, the important part is that uh, as, as sometimes as fans of a sport, as fans of the, the, the badge on the front of the shirt, um, it's difficult for us because we have to intrinsically remember that we can't suspend the fact that these are people forever just because we we care about how they perform on the, on the football pitch. Um, you have to hold space for what losing a member of your squad feels like regardless of the role that they played um, and how that's going to affect different members on the pitch. Sun is a very very warm, very open person. He lets people in very easily. It's one of the reasons why he was able to become so close uh so quickly. Um and so yeah, it makes a ton of sense that son's having a hard time bouncing back as one of the more openly emotional people on the team. Uh, and one of the openly more self-critical members of the team as well. Sure. So it's like he's feeling all these feelings so he's not performing as well. And then he's feeling terrible about not performing well and so he's not performing well because so he's putting more pressure on himself and it becomes this, this vicious cycle. So Mm
3: -hmm.
2: what I will say is that Antonio Conte is Antonio Conte for a reason. And if there's anyone that I would want to pair a grieving son with uh, as a coach, it would be Conte. And if there was anyone that I would want to pair a grieving son with as a, as a uh, professional partner, it would be Harry Kane. Um, because he's just the kind of guy that'll like head down and let's get on with it. And Sun kind of seems like the type of guy that would appreciate that approach at work. So um, I don't know. It's weird at times for, for those listening, I'm sure as well. um, To kind of talk about these people, like they're just guys that are dealing with real life shit, but that's yeah. exactly who they are. And that's yeah. exactly what's going on. And so big shout to them because I think this entire organization needed a fucking win like the one they got today. It did. It did.
1: I think I, I, I agree with all of that, especially considering that the the tragic loss that they faced is through the, the medium that they spend probably more than more time on than any other thing in their life. Right. They're constantly surrounded by this loss at all times. Um, so it's got to be really difficult. Um, I do think though, you know, we're talking about threes and about, you know, people reacting in certain ways to, to form and all that. I, I do think, you know, it's, it's worth at least justifying to those listening out there who don't, who were reacting, you know, aggressively to the situation. You know, there, there are a lot of people who have seen this club falter within a 10-day span, season after season, right, and three losses on the trot even the draw at Frankfurt was not a pretty result by any means, right? It was not a good match, right? So I do think – I'm not one of them at all. But to, to those who are a little bit concerned, I think there is at least, you know, some space to 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 justify or give them some sort of validity. Um, and, and, you know, I would just ask those people to trust that Kante can get this back on track as we saw in the second half today. So. But you definitely do not want to lose four matches in a row you know which we were were on the brink of doing today so well we, we
0: we weren't because we we drew on Wednesday and that's kind of where I want to whatever. go whatever
1: yeah fucking it's a loss dude i don't give a shit we're we're um, we're, we're going
0: to talk we're about here. It.
1: we're here yeah, we're, 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 it we're here Andrew. we've teased it the whole time let's, let's go. go
0: i'll first start out by saying um the first half of this match like the first half of the bournemouth match sucked. and i thought it was i i look i joked in the in, the, in our group chat before the game we're going to have to score three today because we're definitely going to have to deal with Marcus Edwards scoring a brace. Uh, it wasn't a brace, but he did get his first half goal. It was, and it was, it was actually kind of, kind of a great goal from him. And, it was a
2: fucking banger. It was and a and banger, credit, and he got to flex good and credit for him.
0: to him. And you know what I read too? I, I read, he, he didn't really want to celebrate. He, he, he was kind of, he did flex because his family was there and he, like, he was kind of told like, yeah, celebrate a little bit, but, uh, but 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 I thought it was muted enough that it was he was not showing off he wasn't rubbing anything in good for Marcus Edwards I'm happy for the guy I hope he has a great career and and all of that
2: I have to eat some fucking crow Go, um,
0: I, I will allow you to do so
2: so I said specifically Marcus Edwards doesn't play for Tottenham Hotspur because Marcus Edwards isn't good enough to play for Tottenham Hotspur and what he said uh, to me is fuck you Todd um, and had played his ass off in both legs of this tie. Um, but what I will say is as, as much as I appreciate the, uh, the performance that he put in against us, one of the reasons why I think that Marcus Edwards won't be a, a starter in the premier league for any length of time is I don't think that you can put in that type of performance week in and week out on a league level and in Europe and stay healthy when you're Marcus Edwards. I don't think that can happen. So,
0: That that could be true. Uh, The second half of this match was worlds different. And this didn't come from any big um, revelation or substitution or formation change. It just kind of looked like it came from, hey, we need to start playing football now. Um, Substitutions did not come until the 71st minute in this game. And Spurs were... Absolutely all over Sporting in the second half. Uh, just just look at the XG, and I know Scott loves to look at the XG, so I'm going to read it to him. Uh, Spurs came up with .09 XG in the first half, 1.60 in the second half. Uh, the 1.60 was more than Sporting had for the entire match by almost a full goal. Uh, it was insane, the ass-kicking that, once again, Tottenham Hotspur displayed in a second half. And, of course, the, the goal came from Benton Core on a great header in the 80th minute. Um, I don't really know what else there is to say about the entirety of this second half. I thought Brian Hill came on and looked nice. I thought even Emerson came on and did some things for Lucas late in that match. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing to talk about, obviously, nope. is, is what happened at the end. No? Nope. Am I wrong? No.
2: No, it is not the only thing to talk about. Fuck Eric Dyer and his inability to... To head a fucking
0: ball, you know something, a... you know something, Todd. I had blocked that out. You're right. We do need to talk about Eric Dyer for a second because
2: there were three chances in the last five minutes of that match that if he puts away one of them, one of them was was dead to rights. The spinning, like volley, the spinning volley, the
0: spinning volley, the couple of headers. They were all one and of them look-
2: you put away, and we're not even having the conversation that we're about to have about some Dutch fuckery.
0: Look, I you can give a little bit of credit too to to Antonio Adan in goal for for Sporting. Um, even though on the Bentoncourt goal, he maybe was, I don't know. That was maybe some of the most horrific goaltending I've ever seen. Um,
2: he plays hockey too.
0: Yeah, he plays hockey too. Okay. Uh, that was it was it was really bad. Is he really? No, no. <laughs> he, he's making fun <laughs> of me because I said goaltending, <laughs> not goalkeeping. Uh, oh, okay. which is, which is, which is fair because that is what I said. Um, <laughs> no, he was really good other than that moment and you can credit him a little bit, but Eric Dyer, you're a hundred percent right. Needed to put away one, if not three or four of those chances and didn't do it. And you're right. We can, we can say that. And we, we talked a little bit about how Eric Dyer had been struggling and then didn't start today and c- came on late and looked, looked perfectly fine. So maybe, maybe that was the mental break that he needed in the first part of the game uh, today against Bournemouth. But uh, yeah, that, that was brutal. Now we can talk about what, I guess what happened at the end, because what happened at the end, Andrew? (laughs) Well, if you look at the score sheet, nothing because Harry Kane scored a goal, but uh, it was called off. Now, I want to start this conversation before I let you guys fully connect your the tips of your tinfoil hats and create some kind of signal out to the universe. Yeah, I know it's weird, but do I'll we need anyway. do we
2: need do we need an NC seventeen rating on this podcast? No, no.
0: no. Okay. Uh, Dale Johnson of ESPN, who's yeah. a reporter that covers this kind of stuff, at Dale Johnson ESPN tweeted out a thread that I retweeted uh, at Tottenham Depot. You can go look at it there. I thought it was informative and well reported but it does not fully get to the crux of the matter as to what the fuck uefa is exactly doing because nope. it appears to me that they are attempting to use two on un- two different unproven methods of technology to determine what is and what isn't uh all kinds of different things and i just don't really know where uefa gets off <laughs> the the fucking nerve that they have uh I did not understand and I don't think even now over in the states here we watch these Champions League games on Paramount Plus they've got a pretty good crew of former players and journalists and stuff on 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 their coverage they t- I don't really think they had any fucking clue either as to what was going on and I still have not gotten a real explanation uh that I can buy that doesn't involve some kooky version of technology that isn't quite completed no because there isn't one why it's fuckery andrew is fuckery
2: called. it's fuckery and i'm just gonna call it what it is it's absolute fuckery there is no logical reason why the even the fucking angle that they showed doesn't show the buildup. i'm like why are they showing emerson in the frame that he's in the ball came from a and they're saying that emerson headed the ball backwards on purpose so that it went to Kane is essentially what it boils down to, and so that's why they're throwing the flag up. They're saying that defender couldn't get out of the way, so Emerson purposely ricocheted the ball off of the defender in order for the the ball to go into Kane's path, and that's why it was one continuous play. Now, to me, that looks like entirely different phases of play. Apparently, based off of the 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 law, as people on Twitter like to call it, uh, it's not. That in and of itself sounds like fuckery. When you see the Dutch clown nose that happened to be the referee of that fucking match smiling like a pop-collar 1980s film villain, I want it, like, outside of Jack Wilshere, not a more punchable face in football. I'm just saying it right now. Couple that with the fact that the VAR official happened to be the same fucking Dutch asshole that gave the Sissoko penalty in the Champions League final in 2019. And I'm just saying... Things don't smell exactly correct. Couple that, Kaz, with the fact that it took four minutes to draw this kooky fucking line and tried to sell this bag of bullshit that ended up being nothing more than it's because it's off sides. Go fuck yourself.
3: I'm not sure I can beat that. Um,
0: But but I want you to try.
3: (laughs) But I'll try. (laughs) But, you know, you're right, Todd. Like, it was such a convoluted and honestly, it's not even that we got an explanation, you know, I think everyone was still kind of just flabbergasted in the aftermath of the actual decision. Um, Cause there wasn't a lot of communication. There never is with VAR, um, but just, there were so many different factors that went into this decision that, you know, each one you could pick apart and find fault with. Um, but for me, the main the main issues were a how long it took to come to the decision was unacceptable. Um, It took all the drama out of the game, all of the excitement out of, you know, the last minute winner which just wasn't fair. And two, or am I on B? I don't even know. This is how upset I am about it. Still. Mm -hmm. Um, I just hate that this standard that the quote unquote, infallible technology has created is just taking away any sort of um, advantage that attackers have, you know, to, to do what they do best, which is timing their runs to perfection. And Because I think that's what Kane did here. I genuinely do. I think he was level with the ball. I, I don't think you can say without a shadow of a doubt that he was offside. I don't think it was enough of a clear and obvious error to overrule the call on the field, which I know doesn't come into play with offside decisions. It's not a clear and obvious thing. Um, but my question is why, why is that not the standard for that as well? well um, I because I reason- think everyone in the, in the stadium was like, you know, genuinely confused about why that was. Yeah. Fuckery doesn't
2: make sense. Cass fuckery yeah. doesn't make sense. And that's I mean, really where
3: we're at. So many questions. And I, I just feel like it's holding attackers to this unfair standard now mm. where you know they can't, they can't play the game as they were trained to play it. You know what I mean?
2: And I hate to be super extra tinfoil hatty, but I'm gonna. The issue here is that um, t- t- look online and people will give you lists. It's literally add another one to the scrapbook. Of times that Tottenham have been fucked over. The other thing that makes this a complete and abject fucking train wreck of a decision is the fact that Conte got a straight red out of, out of nowhere. Yeah, Conte got a... No, you don't get it because it was fuckery. Yeah. No part of this makes sense, Andrew. Is it there... was absolute UEFA fuckery. And, and I don't want to go... And again, we're here, so might as well... I wonder if there's anybody else that's getting this type of treatment that happened to also be included in the potential super league athletic. Um, I'm just saying that there, there, there may be some things to discuss that are a little bit deeper than the play on the field.
3: But, you, you know, know, I think, sorry, Scott, I just, I just want to say that one of the big takeaways for me after this whole incident is seeing how many, you know, fellow professional players, pundits have just been completely in disbelief about the decision because I think it just tells you that it it went against the spirit of the game. This decision, I think, that's the most heartbreaking thing about it. Not just that we lost, well, we didn't lose, we drew, um, but that we lost. You know, I'm telling you, it, no, not, we need to keep reminding ourselves it was an important point. The stakes of this game, you know, if we if we had won, as we rightfully should have. We would have been top of the group, you know, clinched our route to the knockout stage. Tuesday wouldn't have been any sort of worry. It affects how we play the Bournemouth game. You know, there's a lot of factors. But I think the biggest thing is just that it it was a a travesty on just a pure footballing integrity level.
1: Oh, well, that's such you, a great you, point, Scott. Yeah, no. Well, you bridged to my point perfectly, actually. So thank you. We we needed this to happen is like the only takeaway that I can 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 pull from this that doesn't lead to just like pulling my fucking teeth out right. <laughs> this this team I'm I'm telling you I'm not like a legacy right 2011 so we'll call it a decade. I've seen just absolute bullshit happen to Spurs and I think at first for for maybe three or four years I'm like hey just. Everyone chill the fuck out. Just relax, calm down. That shit is just sports and people see patterns where they're not, right? That's human, human nature. And then after a decade, you start to wonder like, what the fuck, dude? What is going on? Right? That is that does not happen to any other team. It does That's not, true. right? And my point by saying this had to happen for 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 a long time, we've seen the Pachas of the world who I think is like. You know, up there with buddha as far as people i respect i fucking love that man but he needed to cut his teeth a little bit more at times for the sake of the club right levy just watches the fucking stock race and he's like fuck it whatever dude keep me in the media i don't give a shit right whatever cool but conte finally has said enough's enough this is fucking ridiculous i am a world-class manager i'm part of this i see it now I'm gonna start fucking screaming and kicking, right? Him saying, "I'd love to see if this happens to any other big club in Europe." Like that's not Conte's not gonna say something like for clicks or for whatever. Like he he believes what he says. We know this, right? He knows that something is not right with that decision. Um, But it needed to happen because finally, 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 people are starting to see what Spurs fans have talked about for a long time, which is blasphemous fucking decisions. Jan Vertonghen was 10 feet Dude. onside 10 feet onside and fucking cost us champions league by I the can't. most fucking disgraceful offsides you will ever see in your life. Anyone listening, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just fucking Google Jan Congan offside. First thing that pops up, I promise the you know Eric Dyer things? handball. There's... Thank you. Oh, there's no, Dyer's I'm Dyer's
3: handball. still mad about that handball. To and,
2: the, the, and, and the Moore ultimate handball. for me, the ultimate for me is the Lucas Mora hand up until this one. The ultimate for me is the Lucas Mora handball where mm-hmm. my man has literally been dumped over by a defender. The ball ricochets off his back and they call it a handball. almost, dude, the thing is, is that since VAR has been introduced into the English game, all it has done is affirm narratives. That's all it's done.
3: Well, and you know, Todd, you said it just felt like something stunk with this decision. And that was my immediate thought too, because it's like, it took, that long for them to come to the decision, and we end up with this outcome that gives UEFA a more dramatic final, you know, day of the group stage. And I don't, I just don't feel like it's a coincidence.
1: No, and a disadvantage to Tottenham yeah. with no it, content. It, it, I mean, it, but it, it's like I know it sounds wild to talk about conspiracy in football, right? The world Cup no, wait, the wait, 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 are- wait, 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 What? no, no, no. It, no? I, I know, but. Well, Corruption that's
3: what, happens. It does. Yeah,
2: There, there happens no. to be a Netflix documentary coming out November 9th about it. Just saying.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that it's there's not all. There's also at a fucking World Wild. Cup
0: about to happen about it.
1: God damn yeah. it, dude. That's, <laughs> you guys are just fucking rattling off everything I'm trying to say. All right. Sorry, Scott. What, You're fine. What I'm trying to say is that there's the World Cup in fucking Qatar. So if people think that there can't be refereeing decisions that are swayed by fandom like fuck me they it, there is like i promise you right it is a real thing that fucking narrative was scripted and designed without question by referees who are fans of ix todd has pointed this out right we know this um documented fans of ix just saying but
0: don't anyone,
1: that. it's correct anyone who thinks that that can happen I'm just saying. I don't say anything about you. You're a lovely person, but it, it can't happen. Is what I'm telling you, and it is. And we needed this. <laughs> we needed this to happen. Desperately needed this to happen so that Conte could become inflamed and angry. He does not. He's not going to let this go, dude. This no. guy holds grudges for decades. Like, but angry Conte you. is the dude, best it's, Conte. It's it's a real thing. Like he is going to shake things up finally. And this isn't Nuno. This isn't Pacchettino. Who did Pacchettino did not have respect as much as we want to think he did, right? I love the man to death, but he doesn't have the respect that Conte has. And now the most revered manager outside of Pep Guardiola is fucking angry, and people are going to start paying attention, right? So we needed it. It's a positive thing, and I would be damn surprised if we see another another decision like that happen again, right? It won't. I,
0: I am obviously. Not prone to conspiracy, not prone to tinfoil hat wearing. And obviously I appreciate you guys keeping the tinfoil hats just on your heads and not crinkling them as to mess with audio quality today. Um that's that's really truly appreciated. But I have no answer for what the fuck that was. I, I'm obviously I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that wasn't a goal, because it was a goal, it was a goal. Every, Every day of time. the week everyone knows on, it was a goal whether you're playing on Tuesdays Wednesdays or even Thursdays that's a goal um and I you, you just needs to get it shit figured out and needs to stop trying to uh make a plus b equal you know alien like it doesn't it, it it's it does not work out that way uh, they need to figure out what technology they want to use how to complete that technology how and not be to...
3: transparent about it
0: well I'm not gonna. I'm not going to ask for, for 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 fairy tales to be told, Caroline. UEFA is never going to be transparent about shit. Uh, I just want them to tell us, you know, what the technology is, how it's legitimate, if so it's as, legitimate. Like an, I, don't, I don't. As believe an it American
2: it. fan, though, bro, like like I know that you just say that, and it's just kind of a throwaway statement. But as an American fan, that's one of the most infuriating things. Uh, uh, About being a European soccer fan Is the fact that corruption is just an accepted part of the game No, you're 100% right And and you're just like, oh yeah, UEFA is just always going to be fucking UEFA And you're like, dude, if that type of refereeing decision Had happened in the United States We would know those referees' names, their home addresses They would have been slated That guy would probably be, honest to God That guy would probably be refing Thursday night in the USL By the time that that shit came out like it was, it, it was.
3: You don't need any worse refs in the USL. I'm saying, but his shit
2: eating grin would fit perfectly with some of those clients. How was that last night? Anyway, um, I'm just saying, there's You're a right. bunch, there's a bunch of opportunity for improvement to occur, but they don't want it to occur because affirming narratives is where dollars come from in European soccer. That's just is, that's all I'm saying.
1: okay. Great example of this. Kat, my wife, who who is South African, as you all know, we were watching the World Series last night, and there was a really tight bang-bang play on an Al- 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 Altuve steal at second base if anybody watched. And they came out, and after showing the replay vividly, right, they came out and explained their decision. And Kat made the comment, like, holy shit, that was so nice. I would love if soccer would explain to me, you know, why they were making the decision they were making and just – give me the logic and we'll be just fine. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And I think to, to her point, if they came out, made a quick decision and said, look, this is why we're calling it offsides done. Do you, okay. We can, I think that can at least be digested. Right. But, um, the fact that it takes five minutes and doesn't get an explanation. I mean, because is, it's offsides. sides, Yes. Is opening the door for this conversation. Right. If that doesn't happen, I don't even think that we're having this conversation necessarily, right? Because it doesn't paint the narrative that anything was constructed, but they've just done themselves no favor. So whether or not they have actually constructed a narrative with the decision, the the the, the table has been set and the picture has been painted henceforth, to use well, an English
3: word. The picture and, was the referee smirking at our players after the game, which was just yes, extremely true. upsetting.
1: Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's, It would be infuriating as a player to see a game stolen from you like that. And can
3: I just bring up one last point? Because this is something I've been dwelling on um, based on some, some things I've seen on Twitter after this. I feel like there's this idea amongst English fans specifically um, that those of us who are watching from outside the UK are these like like we're not as invested and we're just here for the drama and that we enjoy scenes like this, um, VAR debacle. No, like none of us are enjoying this. It's not good for the game in any way, shape or form, whether you're at the stadium, whether you're watching it on a stream, you know, no, nobody is winning here. I just want to say that.
0: No, everyone knows we've got no time for the bullshit of, X fan is greater than Y fan because
3: we should all be united and being upset about, you know, the way VAR is being used. I think
0: I'm, I'm obviously, like I said, I'm pissed because it's a goal, but I also, you know, Scott, you bring up baseball. We see shitty calls in baseball all the time. and, And even shitty calls, that get reviewed all the time. We see it in the NFL. We see it in, we see it everywhere. And it's not, I don't, get behind the whole I I think that we are all very close to to Tottenham and and I think that everyone has a right to feel aggrieved um but I think no matter who you who you root for I think everyone feels aggrieved because that's it's an easy thing to feel and I'm not saying that anyone's wrong for feeling that way I feel aggrieved by Wednesday but I don't feel that there's some grand plot or scheme oh. against one specific club and that's i think where the, the only place that i go with with the, the whole conspiracy talk
3: but, well, which is fair because i do think we see this nonsense happen to other clubs yeah, yeah. i mean there was a i think it was a palace game recently where there was a super egregious decision
0: yes. yeah. yeah, there's a lot of bullshit that goes Wait, look on look okay, at the sheffield but, decision was, a few years okay, ago but, the, the reason yeah. they got they yes. got relegated <laughs> but that you have bad. to
2: look at the other player in that and this is what i'm saying that's why it's not one team it's, it's narrative-affirming decisions is what you see. And the reason why is because – well, and it, the reason why is, is cultural. And, and whatever reason, you can bank your fucking bottom dollar on this type of narrative, executing this type of spend. And you see it in the way that they promote the game on Sky – On NBC, on BT The way that, you know, the perfect example of that Is the fact that they have been cramming Liverpool, Manchester City as a rivalry Down our throat for the last three years And it never has been and it never will be Liverpool, Manchester United, massive rivalry Manchester United, Manchester City, massive rivalry You can't just fabricate shit because you want to And now what happens? Liverpool falls off, kind of reverts back to the mean a little bit when you lose some of their key players. And all of a sudden, this narrative conversation drops off. And that Man City game is not nearly catching as many eyes anymore. And all of a sudden, you got to look for the next narrative that you're going to pump up. Like That's the thing that's really difficult to get behind as a Tottenham fan because we're always the fucking heel in the media. And I don't really know how else to say it, Andrew.
0: I don't, I don't really know how to, how to combat it. I don't, I, I think, I think I am different in that. And I'm not saying that I'm special in any way, trust me, but I think I'm different in that. I just don't, I don't read into media narratives and that kind of shit. I try to, I try to stay away from a lot of that and I don't blame anyone who does. I just, um, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it bothers me. All of it bothers me. Why don't Um, you
2: just say you're a better person than I am Andrew? Why don't you just come out and say it right now? It's not, it's I, I that's, love, that's certainly
0: not leaving my lips
3: i would love to be that zen about it all so i envy you
0: i i got look man i got i got, <laughs> important, I got a lot of important shit going on in my life i got you know I, I just i can't i can't stress about it i wish i could my 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 blood pressure will not take that and it's funny because if my wife were to ever overhear this uh, from the other room, she would, she would look at me and say, are you fucking crazy? You are, you live and die by this stuff. And I do. But at the same time, I can't, this is where my restraint has to come in with this kind of stuff. It, just, well, it, but, it
1: has to, but it's not even like it's, it's a real, it's a real thing and a very good thing. It's like as much as I joke in the chat about like, Oh fuck or whatever, like, <laughs> There was a time where this shit... Scott, by the way, for up. the listeners,
0: Scott does say "fuck Spurs" like four times a day, and yeah, in I'm just chat. like,
1: dude, if, yeah, if you don't, if you don't have that attitude, you're fucked. I'm telling you. And I think, <laughs> like, there was a time where this would have really beat me up, and like, I understand. But when I was saying in the chat the other day, I'm like, if you look at these these types of decisions that I've seen for a decade, if you look at the fact that Man City and Newcastle can spend endlessly with really nasty money and no one gives a fuck we can never compete with them. Like we're just not in a situation to ever win titles as a club. And I've just, I I joke about it and it sounds so defeatist, but we're just not. And that's the way that that sport over there is structured. Right. It's, It's not okay. It's what it is. Right. I don't have any, any ability to impact that at this point, right. From Washington state, other side of the planet at this point, but I, but the, the way that that sport is structured in Europe, most of the world right is is not conducive to equity from a sporting perspective right I don't actually like to use that word but you understand my point right and that that word can be used for more impactful things maybe is what I mean by that right but but it's never going to be the case where Spurs are going to compete for titles until that changes and like I just felt that I found it to be healthier to accept that and just enjoy watching Tottenham right I don't I literally don't even care what the result was at this point after a match anymore because it, what's going to happen is we're going to fall short of our goals because of the system that we're in. And I just love talking to you guys. And I kind of steal that from Shuban. but that's like really what it is at this point because yeah. of decisions that we just saw last week, right? It's fucking a real thing. I, so whatever, I would man. say we're I never agree. I would, It is what I, it is. I would
0: say I agree. We're never going to win the league until we do. And that's because the same shit was said one about time. Last year. Because the same thing was said about Leicester a few years ago. Too. Oh,
2: get the well, fuck out of here! Leicester's once in a millennia. Like we're making a systematic march towards. But as time. I
3: always say, when we do get that shocking, when it's going to feel so much better than if we had done it the city or the Newcastle. Oh, two thousand
1: sixty-five, it will look, feel fucking great.
0: Look, we uh, have we, gone. We, we have gone it. pretty lengthy on this. I do want to touch on the week ahead with 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 Marseille, and then of course next weekend uh is a little game we like to call liverpool. good,
2: um, good times good.
0: big week, big week ahead. I, there's only 4 games left before this world cup break. I feel like I feel like 2 days ago it was 8 games and now it's 4, which I know is not actually accurate, but that's the way it's felt with as quick as these games are coming every week. um Marseille, big deal, Tuesday. Uh got to got to get a result. Just need just need a point in order to um to get through and I would take it. I would bite my arm off for a point in france on tuesday gotta have it uh and then next sunday a big one against liverpool which i think is i don't think (laughs) my brief preview look at liverpool would be this is the most confident i've maybe ever been going into a game against liverpool uh in in because i don't think that they have since allison
2: this is the most confident that i've been yes i think that's fair since they've got allison
0: yeah i think i think i think that's very fair um after that, it's it's Forest midweek in the Cup, and then a return home for Leeds on the 12th, and then we are off and running to the World Cup, uh, which is going to be a, a whole other whole nother thing. But um, yeah, I I do think the the thing that that Wednesday did set in motion, and I think it was Caroline you alluded to it earlier. Uh, it, it sucks that Tuesday can't just be a throw. <laughs> You know, all the kids out there throw Jed Spence on the pitch, throw Brian Heal on the pitch, throw Lucas Mora a striker, throw whoever out there, uh, because it doesn't matter to us. It would have been nice to have that be this. And and I think to my point well, that earlier, I, I, that was the rotation today. We saw you know Conte prioritizing Tuesday over today because that's what he had to do. So, well, he even um, said, he
2: even said out in the post game, the, the post game, <coughs> excuse me, after sporting. Yeah. It's like, you know, this makes things very difficult. This just is extremely difficult. And so essentially what he was saying is now I got to play the fucking kids or, or play my rotational side uh, in the league instead of getting to do it on Tuesday and then be fresh. So fuck yeah. you guys. We'll sort it out. And fortunately, we were able
1: to to make that happen. You know, it's a, it's a good point. We talked about it in the chat, but Conte, at, at after the goal was – just absolute no, no celebration, no elation. Just absolute relief, and he walked down the tunnel after the goal today. After, after oh, the forward. yes, thank the you, winner. thank you. After, after the winner today, back yeah. to your goal, tears, relief, and so I think uh, to, to build off what you all just said, right? This game became a much different situation after after this week, especially considering we had just lost two on the bounce in the league, right? I think if you yeah. lose today and you're Conte. I actually think you probably know that it's over, right? If you just drop nine points on the bounce in a league where there's City, right, it's, it's done, right? And at that point, today keeps you alive. And I think to f- the fact that Sanchez came out and kept us alive, even though he came off, I, he started, right, like probably cost a couple goals, but he was involved in the team that won today, right? He, the point is he put out the second team, as you guys all just said and we got three of the most important points we've secured probably all season and Conte's reaction a, a, after that goal tells tells me that's accurate um now let's build off that and go get a big result at the week because if we don't yeah i don't know we have to get over a, a pretty massive blow to the season yeah. so yeah. The, the one
0: thing i the one thing i don't know going into tuesday it Conte's, i guess not allowed on on the Touchline is he? No, I'm, I'm sure right that's card.
1: part
3: of his muted response after so, the game. You know, he's, knowing that he's done half the job and now he's just got to prepare the team as best as he can because he can't exactly. actually be there on Tuesday.
2: Yep, and he yep. can't. The, the interesting thing about it though is different different in the Champions League as opposed to a Premier League red line uh, touchline Ben, is that he can't even talk to him. He can't be part of their pregame warm up. He can't be part of the speech. Can't be in the locker room. He Can't be at halftime. Can't do any of that shit.
0: Yeah. Is that a that's um, a one match ban, right? Yeah,
2: one match ban.
0: It is. Eat it's, your it's, heart it's out, Ryan school. Mason.
2: No, and again, this is over here, like oh, a, a convenient one match ban for a straight red on some fucking bullshit. Anyway, cool. a huge all right, game. we put yeah, we, yeah. We,
0: we put conspiracy Todd back in the corner here. Let's uh, let's,
2: nobody puts <laughs> conspiracy Todd in the corner. Let's um, leave him there.
0: All right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, this was uh, cathartic. After a week that was filled with uh, a little bit of tumult and uh, a lot of um, head scratching and, and just uh, a lot of, yeah, a lot of fuckery. Um, shout out as well to our boy, Shuban. Caroline, go ahead. J- jump in before I.
3: Well, I was just going to say, speaking of cathartic, um, I just wanted to real quickly say, I know I didn't get to do the the women's team recap. Oh, yesterday. thank you.
0: Thank you for interrupting me. No, please. Um...
3: But, you know, we had a tough game. We lost three 0 to City. Um, but the the really tough thing was the injury to Ellie Brazil. Um, we found out a couple days ago that she did tear her ACL, which is just crushing for her personally because she's had this injury before. And, you know, so I, I think on the women's side, we're, we're feeling a lot of uh, frustration as well. And so I hope everyone can, can tune into the game tomorrow, whether you're there in person or watching on the stream um, and just get behind the team. Cause they're, they're going through a really tough situation right now with the injury crisis. And I think things will get better because we have a really great coach and you know, the players they're going to show a good mentality.
0: I love that. Uh, we're, we're obviously recording before Spurs play this Spurs women play this weekend, but uh, we will be able to talk more about that on the next pod as well. Thank you again for, for interrupting me. I, that I totally space on. It. I got so caught up in all of the tinfoil hatting today that, um, that I'm glad you interrupted me on that. Um, I just did want to give, before we do sign off, a shout out to Shuban who I got to meet in person for the first time this week. Uh, he's doing uh, shoes sh- in the USA is, has, has been a revelation on the internet. If you haven't found him, uh, go to at the real shoe He is doing a a, a, a countrywide tour and uh, is is having a ball. Go see him if he's in your neck of the woods. I, like I said, I, I think he's in Southern California the next few days, and then he's going back to the East Coast. He's he's all over the damn place. Um, go try and 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 shake his hand and and give him a hug and pose pose in front of a scarf with him um, because he's having a ball right now. And we had a ball the other night. It was great to see him. Uh, and I just wanted to shout him out. We can't wait to have him back on the pod to share. Uh, we 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 may end up trying to do. A, I may end up trying to do a breakout pod with him, like a special pod, just recapping his his little uh, tour of yes. the US. And 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 uh, yeah. I haven't I haven't run that by him anything. If he's listening, this is probably the first he's heard of that. But I think that might be a fun <laughs> thing to do uh, for to just re- recap his uh, his travels and, and regale everyone with uh with his tails he, he he watched the the Champions League the other day with uh, Arizona Spurs I think he was with LA Spurs today for the game mm-hmm. out in out in uh, out in Hollywood so uh, good for him and uh, we love that guy and uh, we will we will be glad to welcome him back onto the pod soon uh, hey, we, if you see
1: him too real quick take care of him the, the last time he was here in Seattle actually the last time he was in the states we we played West Ham on New Year's Day I drank too much missed the match so but, but he ubered himself to the wits end. They took good care of him. I felt so shitty. I was like, dude, I'm the worst fucking friend in the world. And don't day.
0: give him American beers. He obviously does not yeah, like it. Yeah, he's really. not a fan. Him, was that, that the fell asleep in a car sweet.
1: day, Scotty? No, this is a different time, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, uh, they, they, so but, but the poor guy, He I missed the match, right? I was up till like 3 a.m. And it was a 6 a.m. kick on New Year's Day. And then maybe three days later he's still in seattle i come down with the flu in the last 48 hours i'm like sick in bed cat cat took care of him or whatever took him out and and you know showed him around or whatever but i think what we're learning
0: ass. is that shuban is just a bad influence on you i think that's what we have oh, yes this man yeah. shuban is all your
1: fault. but no make up make up for his his uh misadventures in seattle please if you run into him on this trip
0: all right, cover cover Scott's ass if you see Shuban. Make up, make up for his misde- misdeeds and misdoings. Uh, and uh, we will talk to all of you next week. Leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice, Apple, uh, Spotify, wherever you, wherever you get us. Uh, reach out and find us at Tottenham Depot. Uh, until next week when we will have, I'm sure, a whole hell of a lot else to talk about. <laughs> this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs.
2: Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Byrd for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club and you, the listener are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always come on you Spurs.